Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. We are continuing our Book of Acts series, so turn with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Last week we saw Paul and Silas in prison. Verse 1, then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and there he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome, and Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I'll go preach to the Gentiles. Lord, this is your word today, alive and active. May it change us because of who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we saw Paul and Silas last week in prison, remember, and the earthquake happened and they were set free. And and then along the way, as they began to travel, uh, if you go back and look in chapter 17, Paul went on ahead of Silas and Timothy. So I'm just sort of filling in the gaps when you when you see in there that uh, they were not with Paul. It's because during the travels, he had left them in Berea. So first of all, don't be a Corinthian. If anybody ever accuses you of being a Corinthian, let me just clue you in. That's not good. (laughs) You see, when he arrived, when Paul arrives in Corinth from Athens, Corinth is the key city of Greece at the time. And it's due to location. You know the saying, location, 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 right? You have to understand that Corinth was located in this little five-mile isthmus, right, that's easier to, to traverse than it was to sail around the southern tip of the area. The sailing conditions were so horrific and so treacherous that it would be easier for them to unload cargo ships and go the five miles to cross over at Corinth. And Corinth was not just the central location from north and south, but also east and west that they would travel. So it was a crossroads of sorts for all travel. And it's important, uh, the reason I want to talk just a moment, and and I've shared this, but it's been a while, it's important to understand the culture of Corinth. It helps us put into perspective what Paul was facing. It'll help you later when you're reading the the letters, the Corinthian letters that he wrote. It'll make sense to you when you understand the culture of Corinth. The Greeks had a saying. They kind of created a verb. Do you know what that is when, when we take somebody's name and we turn it into a verb? Like... We have a, a verb here, Bo, if I come in very last minute and say, hey, oh, three seconds down, but I forgot to tell you, I have a video and I need you to do this. And I need, He'll say, are you pulling a new one on me? That's how John would run in at the last minute. And I tell John all the time, you're still a verb for us. And he just dies laughing at that because he understands like, 
Let me tell you, this is not me talking smack on... John knows John. John knows that he is a last-minute thinker sometimes, you know. Um, David Baker saw him this week. Oh, church, I had a great time at Pastors Forum. There was over 500 of us there this week, um, and it was from all over. And when I say all over, the first night there was someone from West Africa sitting behind me, a pastor that was there. So when I say all over, I mean there was pastors from all over. And so uh, I got to see Pastor Baker and... I told him we were on Baker time one day because we were the last coming out of the sanctuary. And if any of you remember when David and Susan were here, like they were shutting down the church. And and so Baker time has become one of those phrases, right? So the Greeks had that, that phrase. And if they said to play the Corinthian, it meant to live a lustful life of debauchery. That's not a good thing. Just so you know, that's that's not a good thing. And you have to understand, again, the culture of Corinth. On the hill of Corinth would have stood the temple of Aphrodite with a thousand priestesses. And of all days for me to preach family worship day, let's just say that at night those thousand priestesses came down to the city streets to continue their trade. Okay, y'all catching on. We got some loose living going on in the city of Corinth. It was a town where anything could go, right? They had a mixture of so many cultures and ways of doing things like everybody's truth was their own, right? Just live life. And this kind of thought process of of being a Corinthian even continued on into the early 19th century when the English would use the term Corinthian to mean Loose living, basically. So that's the stigma that they had in this town of Corinth. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you may be familiar. Can y'all tell I'm having mic issues today? You may be familiar with that because there's a passage in there that loves to list all the bad living, right? All the the people that are not going to go to heaven because they live like this. And sometimes we get stuck on one or two of those items, but I guarantee we can associate with some of the stuff on that list. But what I I really focus on there is is not verses 9 and 10 that list don't do all these things, but verse 11. Listen to this. Paul told them, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I love that. Once you were like that, but you're not like that anymore, he says. Why? Because you called on the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit came and cleansed your heart. That's the atmosphere Paul was in. Now, it told us there that he met Aquila and his wife Priscilla, who were some Jews from Italy. Now, do you remember last week we talked about how the Romans had a bad case of prejudice against the Jews, right? They didn't like the Jews. So what we're finding is Aquila and Priscilla are part of those Jews that Claudius had basically removed all the Jews from Rome, sent them out, deported them, right? Cleansed the city, whatever he wanted to call it. 
And so they're arriving from Italy. His history kind of tells us this was probably then around the year 49. So that gives us kind of that time frame. Now, verse 3, it says that Paul worked and lived with them as tent makers. Some of your versions might call it leather worker because that, that term is, is the same thing as leather worker. So they worked together and they lived together. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought Paul was a preacher. He was. He was bivocational. <laughs> And see, he was a trained rabbi. And did you know that when they trained their rabbis, they also made them learn a trade so that they could be solely independent while they were out doing God's work. They were not dependent on you to feed me. So I have a college degree. If this goes bad, I can go to work. Does that make sense? That's that's what they would train. But in verse 5, it said that when Timothy and Paul got there, from Macedonia, that then he began to spend all of his time preaching. In other words, there's a good possibility maybe they brought a love offering with them that would cover expenses so he could do the most important thing, preaching the word of God. Now, verse 4, I really spent a little time on this week because it said each Sabbath, so every, we would say Sunday, it would have been Saturday for them probably, He would have went to the synagogue where the Jews were meeting. And it says that he was trying to convince them that Jesus was the Messiah. The reason I stopped on this is because I need you to understand. He did not have this part of the Bible, right? This is the part they're living. This is the scriptures, the Old Testament, that he would have been trying to convince them of Jesus. I find that funny because I'm kind of lonely sometimes that I love Old Testament. Diane's already given me, don't give me the stink eye, Miss Diane. You made it through that Old Testament reading. But I love Old Testament. Why? Because it points to Jesus. If you know what you're looking for in there, you're going to find Jesus all throughout. There's a Bible I need to get. I think it's called the Jesus Bible. Go figure. And it lists, like anything that is a a scripture pointing to the Messiah is in blue so that you know that it is pointing to Jesus. Those are the scriptures that Paul would have been trying to use to convince them that Jesus was the Messiah. So church, why would we not want to know the Old Testament? Wow. Important stuff to know. So, Miss Diane, you made it through, and you learned some things even, (laughs) that their long names are that long. I love it. I love it. Now, Paul had a pattern. Anybody seen a pattern yet with Paul? He'd preach for a long time. He he would stay a while in a city, and he would preach until what? Well, many would come to believe in Jesus, but many would also get a little angry with him. And then what would happen? They would run him out of town. Like, he didn't put down roots for too long of a time, usually. Now, eventually, he winds up leaving even Priscilla and Aquila. When they, when they left Corinth, they got to Ephesus, and it said in there, if you continue reading, it says that's where he left uh, Pr- Priscilla and Aquila, all right? And then that's where I want to pick up in verse 24. This is who I want to focus on today. Verse 24, meanwhile, 
A Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go, and they wrote to the believers in Achaia asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who by God's grace had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments and public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. I love how they tell us who he is, how they described Apollos. He's an eloquent speaker. He knew the scriptures well. He was enthusiastic, right? And I love the word accurate. He was accurate. So Apollos is out there teaching people who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. Like he's connecting those same dots like Paul was with the Old Testament. And he's teaching them about repenting from sin. So when he talks about the baptism of John, that's the baptism of repentance. That we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? And we need to repent. But he was missing something. You see, Priscilla and Aquila, they they showed up one day to listen to him talk, and they're sitting there checking off the boxes. Yeah, yeah, like there was total truth in everything he was saying. He wasn't a false teacher. He wasn't trying to teach them something that was not accurate. But they said, but you're missing something. And I love this because they, they pulled him aside to privately talk with him. They didn't jump on Twitter to tear a new one into him. They didn't jump on Facebook to say, oh, false prophet here because he didn't tell you the whole truth. They didn't tear him up. They said, come here, brother. Man, you're doing some really good work. Like, you're, you're a really smooth talker. Like, everybody's listening. And everything you're saying about Jesus is right, but you're missing something. What was he missing? He was missing the Holy Spirit. Do you understand, church? Like, he got it. He knew Jesus. He knew who he was. He knew we needed to repent to get right with God. But he didn't yet know about this thing with the Holy Spirit. So they wanted to give him a more accurate. He knew about the baptism of John in the water. They said, let us share with you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let us us tell you the whole story. Church, listen to me. We can know about Jesus. We can share with others that he's the Messiah. And that's all true. That's all true. But some of you here today, you're missing the most key element to our faith. You've not realized that you have the Holy Spirit in you. Did you hear when I prayed earlier and I said, Lord, I know you walked in here with every believer. The Holy Spirit came with you. You see, he don't live here. 
Thank goodness, right, Emily? Or it gets scary when y'all cleaning. Amy and I was laughing the other day. Why is the church the scariest place when you by yourself and it's dark in here? And if you don't believe me, come on, I'll lock you in tonight and I'll turn all the lights off. It, and you're thinking, this should be the Holy of Holies. No. You see, we're the Holy of Holies. The Holy Spirit resides in you and I. And so Apollos didn't quite understand this. Now, now some of you, I said, you haven't understood it yet. You still say, tell me if this sounds familiar. Well, I had this gut feeling, right? My, my conscience kind of was nagging me. That, that little voice told me not to go there. No, the Spirit of God inside of you is talking to you. It's not your gut. My gut just says it's almost lunch. Hurry up, Pastor, and get it over with. But the Spirit of God. The problem is we don't recognize it because maybe we don't realize it, right? We don't always know. What have I been preaching since we started talking in the book of Acts? Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And y'all can calm down. Y'all, I see some of the looks. You go in Pentecostal. I know what's happening today. No. <laughs> Every single Christian church, it's the same. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've been seeing story after story. Some people, it happened at, at that moment. They repented. They got baptized. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people, they showed up and said, man, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? No, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What is he doing? I want you to think about this. Listen, Apollos understood. He understood the need for repentance. And he understood that Jesus was the Messiah, that all the Old Testament scriptures that he had been taught since he was young, that is who Jesus is. He even understood that we're to tell other people about that. Isn't that amazing? Like he's already out telling people about Jesus. Alexandria is down in Egypt, mind you. And he's crossed the waters or traveled around however he got there. And he's up in Corinth and in, in, in that area now, Ephesus. He kind of goes back and forth. And he's telling people about Jesus. So he's a traveling evangelist, right? But what he did not yet know was that we do not do this on our own. Some of you here today are wondering why you're so tired. Because you've been doing it on your own. You have missed the big concept that the God of the universe lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And he's wanting to lead you. But you haven't been listening. Do you remember in the upper room at Pentecost? Think about this for a minute. They knew who Jesus was. Like they've witnessed his life, his ministry. Now they've seen him die. They've seen him raised from the dead. And they were ready to jump out of that room and get to work. Because, oh my goodness, he is the Messiah. Like we've witnessed it with our own eyes. And what did Jesus say? Stay put until the Holy Spirit comes. Church, it's no different than you and I. We're not intended to do it on our own. 
even the good stuff of telling people about Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit working in you. And maybe somebody here today, this is really the first time that this has been explained to you. And it's not a matter of believing we all need a laying on of hands. It's a matter of understanding. So for some of you who have been raised in the church, you've known this for years upon years, that you have the Holy Spirit. Somebody in here, maybe maybe you've been in the faith for a little bit, but man, you just like, do I, do I not? I'm telling you, you do. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came. But I still had to have that moment where I said, you know what, I surrender everything to you, Lord. I had that moment where I began to understand it's not my gut talking to me. It's the spirit inside of me talking to me. Now, does believing in Jesus get you to heaven? Yes, it does. But is that all there is? No. Because honestly, if that's all it took, we wouldn't need to be here today. We wouldn't need to meet on a Wednesday night. We wouldn't need to to read other things, right? (laughs) We have to be sure that we share the whole truth when we share the gospel. The good news is not just that Jesus died and rose again, right? But that he left the helper with us. That was part of the package. He told his disciples, I have to go away so the advocate can come and be with you. And he said, I promise you, it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing. So the Holy Spirit, the helper came. The Holy Spirit fills us. He walks with us. He leads us. And yeah, he convicts us too. He lets us know when we're stepping off the path a little bit. And whether it's adults, whether it's our teenagers, whether it's our kids, please tell them the whole and accurate gospel. That when Jesus ascended back into heaven, the Holy Spirit is here with us today. They need to see and know that. But listen, the moment you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he's come, he's now in you and he's living. But I think that's, you know, why Apollo still felt compelled to tell who Jesus was. That's why he's still traveling. Like God was working in him. He just didn't recognize that the Spirit was with him. He just didn't have that complete, more accurate version of the gospel. Some of us have been living to go to heaven. Isn't that our goal? Like last week, Emily, you sang that beautiful song, Home. We're going home, and we said this is not our home, right? We're we're supposed to be going to heaven, right? Yeah. But here's the more accurate truth. Until we get there... We have the Holy Spirit living with us, changing us, moving us, directing us. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior at a very young age in junior high, I honestly remember thinking, okay, ticket done, punched. Like that's what it was, right? That's all I was really told. I needed Jesus. Okay, I believe you. I'm not a good person by myself. I'm okay. And I said yes to Jesus. But here's the problem. I continued life as I knew it. 
because nobody told me I needed more than that. I just needed Jesus. Done. Got it. So I continued life as I knew it, just like Apollos. What did that mean? I continued to call the shots in my life. I continued to make my own decisions, good and bad. Now, fast forward a few years, and I realized I'm tired, Lord. I'm tired, and I still felt unsure about my faith. I still felt unsure about purpose and direction and all of those things. And I came to a moment where, alone in my apartment, I surrendered everything. And I've shared my story with you guys. I had a good life, freshly married. He's working a great job, and and we're making plans for the future. Like, it was all good. I wasn't like at the bottom of a barrel somewhere. But I still had never surrendered everything. I never understood I needed to until that moment. And I began after saying that little prayer, and it was just a simple, God, I I don't know what I'm doing. I just know that I don't feel whole, and, and, and I need you. That was the prayer. There was not a lot of big sanctified words. I didn't even know the word sanctification yet. I didn't know a lot of things that I know today. But I knew I needed him. I needed more of him. And from that moment, I began to grow And I began to dive into the word. I got so hungry for God's word. And I realized as I was reading more of his word, that's when I began to realize, oh, it's kind of scary, but the spirit lives inside of me. This mess. And he wants to live there. He wants to use me? Like that don't even make sense. One of my favorite things, I'm fixing to yank this thing off today. One of my favorite things at Pastors Forum, uh, Gabby, she, she's in Trinity Church in Norman or in Moore. And it was so beautiful. Like it was kind of weird because it was just the senior pastors at this part of it. And I look around going, I think I'm the only female pastor in this room. <laughs> it felt weird. I, I think there was maybe two more that I just couldn't see on the other side of the room. But I knew the other ladies, and I knew they were pastor's wives, so that was awkward, number one. And then poor Gabby steps up, and here is this room full, and I'm, I'm being serious, room full of white-haired older pastors. And I thought, bless her heart, that's that's a challenge. But she was so anointed by the end of that sermon Every pastor around me was crying. Like that spirit had just filled us up. And what was so cool was her message was on the innkeeper. And man, someday I'll preach that. One of the pastors asked me, she said, are you going to go home and preach it? I said, no, I'm still absorbing it. And she was using it to describe pastors as innkeepers. In other words, if you don't realize inns in that day and time, That was really for the riffraff. That was for the ones who didn't have family to take them in. Because in their culture, you come to town, your family takes you in. So this is, so where did Joseph and Mary wind up in the end? And she talked about us being innkeepers, taking in those people that nobody else really wants to deal with sometimes. So I absolutely loved that... My first innkeeper, David Baker, 
was in that room. And I went running over to him, and I just shook his hand and hugged him, and I said, you're my innkeeper. You're the first one that when I showed up in Wicks, (laughs) that you knew I came from a past that wasn't so great, and you loved me. And you saw purpose in me when nobody else did. Like, I thought that man was absolutely insane the first time he wanted me to teach adults on Wednesday night. Are you nuts? Number one, adults are not nice. (laughs) They're scary people. But he also knew later that God had already spoken to me before he asked me. And he was just following what God wanted. He was following the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I began to read scriptures. And when we surrender church, let me tell you, it changes you. It changes our paths. That's why in the letters of Corinthians, that's why Paul said, some of you used to do that. You see, we, we've got a culture right now saying that I can have Jesus and I don't really have to change anything. That's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. Because if, if there was nothing, we, we talk about this and y'all say amen all the time. When we talk about repenting, it's turning from one direction back to God. Well, that sounds like there's going to be some change happening in your life. And if you haven't let the Spirit move you in that direction then maybe today's the time. For Apollos, it was like throwing gasoline on the fire because he already loved Jesus. He loved God. He just didn't understand there was more to it, that he had the Holy Spirit living. Can you imagine if he was already this extraordinary speaker who was so eloquent and so accurate, and now he's got the Holy Spirit? Woo! Revival. Revival. I'm just telling you. And it's not just for pastors. Do you understand? It's for all believers. I don't have a corner market on the Holy Spirit. That is for all believers. That's for you. Now, some of the problems in our young culture today... Maybe it's our fault. Let's be honest for a minute. Because we taught them that they needed to repent. We taught them that there was sin in their life and they needed Jesus. But did we teach them to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Did we teach them that the Spirit wants to reside and guide in our lives? Did we live it in front of them, moms and dads and grandmas? Because it's more than just show up at church. Man, I love it. This great crowd this morning, I'd love to fill every seat in here. But that don't bring change. The Holy Spirit convicting us brings change. And we got to live that for the world to see. See, they want to know what's different. Why would I want your religion? Because I have the living God inside of me. 
That even when I feel the loneliest in this world, I'm not alone. Even when I feel like nobody else understands, I have a God that does. Even on the darkest, darkest of days, he can shine a light that just keeps you pointed north long enough to get there. Even on the days when I don't feel like stepping up here, my prayer is, God, I got some words. I just need your spirit to do what he does. And I wish I could tell you how many times I've walked off this stage and I gave you a a speech. And I think, wow, I'll tell Thomas when we leave. I don't know if that one flew. And those are the weeks that you text me and you tell me what God did for you in that service. And that means it's not me. That means it's the Holy Spirit working in you. That means that there are about 60 or 70 of you here today that are hearing a different message than the person sitting next to you because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need it today. That means it was not an accident that this was the day you decided to get up and come because the Holy Spirit was calling you here today. And when you catch on to that, I promise your life will change. I don't promise that everything will get good. I don't think that everything will be perfect and and yay. But I know that you'll live with a peace that this world cannot give you. I know that you will live with a hope that there is nothing in this world to give us hope for. We're coming up on stinking election season again. I don't care who wins. I really don't because my God reigns. My God reigns. And my hope is in Jesus Christ. And church, we got to get busy sharing that with people. The full and complete and accurate gospel. Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Stand with me this morning. Jason, whatever music you, you come to first, whatever. And I know that we, we've had some new faces. You saw people lining up this morning up here and you're like, what in the world are they doing? We call this our Ebenezer jar. Ebenezer is the stone of help. It reminds us of what God has already done. It reminds us of a moment. Sometimes it's something that has happened in my life. Sometimes I'm watching somebody else that I know they've already walked what I'm walking. And I say, God, I know you've done it. Can you do it for me? Can you do it for this person that I'm praying for? And God, whatever the outcome, can you just give me the strength to walk the days I need to walk? And we dropped it. Do y'all see how how full this has gotten? Mm -hmm. I see your smile, Miss Kathy. I know you love our Ebenezer jar. This is a reminder that God is still alive today, folks. That he's still working. So maybe you need to come and just, you're like, well, what are they writing on it? They're just writing their initials. This is my rock. This is my Ebenezer stone. And it joins with the rest of us. Maybe you need that today. Maybe today you need to step forward and say, I just want to pray. I want to feel the Holy Spirit like I've never felt him before. 
then come to the altars and we'll pray over you this morning. Just come. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today hearts open wide. And Lord, I feel like your spirit's wanting to move somebody this morning. Give them just that two-second burst of courage to step forward and say, I need the Holy Spirit working in me. I need to hear that voice. I need to I need to learn the voice of God a little bit better so that I know that that's his voice I'm listening to. Father, somebody today, maybe they just need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe they're they're still at step one and they need to repent. Today's the day. Scripture says today's the day of salvation. Church, I tell you, don't leave this place until you've said yes to Jesus. Maybe today is that day we we had someone come forward last week. We're going to plan a a baptism service. And maybe somebody else today says, I need to be baptized. Like, I'm itching and I can't can't go another week without this. Let's talk. Maybe today is your day. You've been a believer for 30 years. But today's the day you say, I want the Holy Spirit to fill me from top to bottom and have access to everything in me. Today is your day. You just need your church family praying for you. Could you just slip a hand up for those around you to see this morning? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand and that one in the back. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for the people that have gathered today. And I know that your spirit brought them here today. And Father, I pray as we leave here, people will know we have been changed. They will see a joy on our face. And Lord, I hope that they know the stories of our lives to know that maybe we don't have anything joyful about today but my hope is in you my trust is in you Lord and I pray that every person here will feel that same peace that same joy and may we be bold enough to share it with our family our friends and with perfect strangers this week May your Holy Spirit continue to work, Lord, in every person here as they leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, have a beautiful day. The weather hopefully will be nice, but you've been blessed today. Go be a blessing to others. I love you, and we'll see you next week. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.